By now, you've all heard of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, the latest book published by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. It's more than just another wine book. The fully updated second edition was inspired by students of the Vinitali International Academy and painstakingly reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. The benchmark producer's feature is a particularly important aspect of this revised edition. The selection makes it easier for our readers to get their hands on a bottle of wine that truly represents a particular grape or region. To pick up a copy, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Hi everyone, so my name is Laika. I am the clubhouse manager for Italian Wine Podcast. So for the first time, I'm stepping in for Stevie, who's now in Rome, attending the Wine Cube event until tomorrow. And also for Joy, who's just coming back to Verona from Dosoldo. So talking about the recent trip we had, um, so our team had a recent collaboration with Italian trade agency in Germany where they featured notable Italian wine producers on extensive master classes. And we had the opportunity to interview a couple of them too. So the episodes are coming soon. So follow our social media pages, including our Instagram and Italian Wine Podcast. Coming back to the show, tonight is the 85th edition of our Clubhouse Ambassadors Corner. Our guest today is uh, Wayne Young. And we love having Wayne in our show. He has been a great moderator on our show. He has interviewed um, Ivan Rapuzzi from Ronke di Chala and Mike Marco Primosic from Primosic Winery. Hi, Wayne. How are you? I'm doing really well, Laika. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing fine. Um, yeah, all good. I'm getting busy for next next week, um, Vinitaly um, Marathon. I'm yeah, doing okay. Vinitaly Marathon, too. Are you going? Yeah, I'm hoping to. Yes, I'm trying to figure that out with the consortium. Okay, okay, great. So see you there. So I'm going to introduce you quickly. So Wayne um, is from America and has been working in Friuli Venezia Giulia in Italy since 1998. So after your WSET diploma, you worked with Wine Spectator magazine and as and you also worked as a sommelier for Joe Bastianich Beko restaurant in New York and had some cellar work. So I'm just wondering, how, how was it for you working in wine in one word, if you can describe it in one word? People. I, that's the only thing I can say is people. That's what it's all about. Okay. And, and why? Well, because not only do you get to serve wine to people, you get to meet the wonderful people behind the, the wineries and the, the way the wines are made and the way the wines are made by people. So I love hearing stories. I love talking to people. 
Um, I love hearing what they like and, and, and what their lives are like. So I think the, the stories of people behind the wine or the people you have in front of you who are drinking your wine are, are super interesting. And what, for me, the wine is all about. That's, that's amazing. And that's really deep. And actually, you also mentioned that you're hosting a wine podcast, LaTavernaFriuli.it. And yep. I guess you communicate all about wine and talk to the people as well, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a weekly podcast talking to uh, mostly producers here in Friuli Venezia Giulia, both in English and Italian. But I also talk to uh, restaurateurs, authors, things like that. But yes, this has been my passion now for uh, almost two years. Yeah, that's amazing. Spreading the word of um, Italian wine to the world, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Got to do it. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, head back to the format. Um, so tell us, why did you select Cora Basilicata as your favorite producer? Well, Cora is, uh, is, a, is a very exuberant and very uh, energetic young lady uh, from a winery that is very small, but very, very well known for incredibly high quality wines called Le Due Terre in Propolto here. Um, so not only after doing two uh, podcasts with men, I said, we need some, we need some girl power here. So uh, Cora was the first person who I thought about bringing on. She has been on my podcast before, so it's, it's a pleasure to have her back behind the microphone. Fantastic. So what are the learning objectives that we should expect from the interview? Well, obviously, I want people to know about Lady Wittele, and I want people to, to know Cora as a person. But um, I think it's really interesting to talk about Propoto as a region and some of the really interesting grape varieties that uh, Le Duetere and Cora works with. And also her dual role sort of as working in the vineyard and also having a, a hand in sort of the marketing and traveling and promoting the winery, I think is really unique. All right. So last question is, how did you discover the wines of Le Duetere winery? Uh, that's, a, that's a story from long ago. I don't remember exactly, but I know the winemaker who I used to work with in the past, his name is Emilio Del Medico, who, like many winemakers, is quite obsessed with Pinot Noir, uh, decided that uh, I needed to taste this wine from Le Duetere. And that was my first experience, but then I've gone on to experience their other wines and meet um, uh, Cora's mom. And uh, I've, I've never actually been to the winery, except maybe to pick up a few bottles. But um, it is, it's truly one of the pillars of these sort of small artisanal wineries here in Friuli uh, that makes so few bottles, but such high quality. So I've been in love with Le Duetere for a long time. All right. So I really look forward to this conversation with you and Cora. Um, so now it's time for me to mute myself and I'm turning over the floor to you. Thank you very much, Laika. It's always a pleasure hearing from you. So Cora, Cora Basilicata. Thank you for coming and spending some time with us today from Le Due Terre. You, um, I have to say this, you are going to turn 30 on Saturday. Yeah, it's true. So <laughs> tell us, so, um, but thanks for being here. So tell, tell me a little bit about you and, and, I mean, obviously you grew up in the winery. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. were born in 1993, which I remember very well. <laughs> it was not a very good vintage for the wine, but yeah. I hope it was better for the people. <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about, first of all, about yourself, yeah. and, then, and then tell me a little bit about the Duete. Okay, so firstly, thank you to invite me to this uh, podcast and clubhouse. 
it's a pleasure to be here uh, with you. And so, yeah, as you said, I was born in the winery because uh, my parents started with this business in 1984. And, and I feel the winery like a big brother for me because uh, they dedicated a long part of their life, uh, their life as a couple, um, to the winery first and then can. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, they, they make me fall in love uh, first, yeah, it's difficult to explain this, but uh, from when I was a child, I fell in love with this work and especially for um, the wine growing because you can live it uh, every day of your life in contact with nature. And this is, I think is amazing. Do you have like a, the, your earliest memory of, of the winery from when you were uh, small, small, small? Yeah, but the first one uh, is not direct memory, but is a photograph of me uh, when it was one, yeah, or maybe younger, okay. um, in a box of wine during the bottling. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was sitting there with my mom um, that she she was hanging me. Uh, but then I can remember when I was free um, that I helped my parents to pick up the grapes. And, really? When yeah, you were three? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. with my little scissors, okay. <laughs> of course, just some grapes. But yeah, I remember that I spent all my free time uh, in the vineyards with my parents. Okay. And so you grew into that. Yeah. You attended enology school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I studied at a high school of enology and then also at the university. And I did this choice because uh, as I said before, I think there is nothing better uh, to do in my life, to spend the, my life in the nature, in the, um, between the vineyard. And when I had to choose what I want to do in my life, I said, okay, I want to be a wine grower. And my parents were not so happy for that. Oh, really? They didn't want you to follow in their uh, footsteps? Yeah, they were happy one way but not so much because I am an only child and the okay. first thing for them uh, for, for for me is to be happy and they don't want to force me in that way but it was my choice and so firstly they say to me are you uh, sure about that are you sure that you're going to be happy in this life because you are not um, uh, yeah, you, you don't have to follow our, our life, you have to choose it. And they say, no, I'm sure, and I will do this in my life. And so now I'm 30, <laughs> and I do this work with uh, all of my passion. So harvesting since three, you're 30, that's 27 harvest you already yeah, have yeah. under your belt. Exactly, right. yeah. Um, there is a, a funny story about this, because in 1998, my parents uh, won their first prize with three glasses. And it was funny because it was uh, one um, of my first, uh, uh, how can I say, um, winemaking, because I helped my father uh, also in the cellar. And uh -huh. I was five. And you were five. Yeah. And they won uh, the prize with Merlot. Okay. And it was the first time for them. And I for the first time my father in the in the cellar so, so have it was they fine. won every year since <laughs> sorry have they won play every uh, year every year since yeah 
Yeah. It's all because of you. Yeah, um, I don't know, but <laughs> it's funny to think about that. <laughs> so let's go back a little bit into you said your, yeah. your mom and your dad started working at Le Duetere in 1984, you yeah. said? Yeah, exactly. So how did it all get started? So my parents uh, don't have uh, land from their parents, so they started by their own, the, the, the business. And first they work uh, for other people. And then when they earn enough money to start their own business, they decided to stay in Prepotto, in the place where my father uh, was born. And firstly, they have only vines in rent uh, because it was not possible for them to, to buy the vines. Uh, but then in 1986, they had the occasion to, to build a um, little hill without vines. Okay. Um, so there was only grass on this hill. And from 1989 until 1991, they made the works for the vineyards and for the cellar. And so the first uh, vintage was 1993, <laughs> was oh, my yeah. vintage, um, that was made by our uh, own vines. Okay. Yeah. And so from that uh, that year, they start making their different wines because uh, when they had vines in rent, uh, they cannot choose all the grapes uh, there were there, there were in these vines okay. because in Friuli the tradition is to have a, a, a great mix of of grapes in, also in one hectare. And so they they grow Sauvignon, um, but also Verduzzo, okay. Tokai, Refosco, Scapettino, and so many, many wines. Uh, but then in 1993, they, they choose to make um, not so much wines, okay. just um, four wines. Okay, so they uh, narrowed it down. Yeah, okay. exactly, but also um, but always uh, in few actors because they started with just two actors of property. Wow, very uh, Yeah, um, one actor in Alfin Rent. Uh, then they uh, improved the, the property in 2003 uh, with one more actor of fine. Uh, uh, so we we had the occasion to to build the down part of the hill. So okay. now we have three actors of. Uh, our property finds and we still maintain one hectare and a half in rent. Okay, so Le Due Terre, yeah. where did this name come from? So this name comes from the two types of soils that are mixing in, um, in all the area of Prepotto. It can be uh, in different quantities, but um, these two typical soils of Prepotto are, um, are marma and clay. Then if you go in another um, uh, part of the Porto that is called Albana, okay. you can find Marna and red soils. But okay. Marna is always the, the main soil of our, uh, of our area. And so my parents uh, decided to give, to give this name to, to their winery as a um, homage to okay. the place where we so it's it's calcareous marl, the typical yeah. palm cut, and exactly. and uh, clay. clay yeah. Okay, so these are the two. Yeah. So what what's important about these two different types of soils? What do they give to the wines? And one's unique about Prepotto in general. Yeah. Um, so these two types of soils are very good for the red grapes, and um, this is a particular 
uh, thing because when you think about Friuli, you think about white wines usually, but Reporto um, is historically well known for the red grapes. Uh, also, the grandfather of my father made half um, wines from red grapes and half from, from white grapes. And so, especially Marla is very good for that because um, in our hill we have this mix and where we have the vines from the red grapes, there is more clay on the surface and then the Marna is in the down, down layers. Okay. And exactly the opposite is um, where, where we had the white grapes and the Pinot Nero grapes. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and in general is, is Preboto, uh, climatically, is it warmer, cooler? Describe it a little bit, because Preboto is a very small yeah, yeah. little town, and you're <laughs> yeah. a small winery in a small town. Yeah. There's something about Preboto that's important. So what, what's so special about Preboto as a place? Yeah, I think it's special for uh, many reasons about the climate, because we are one of the last um, villages where Bora comes. And Bora is a typical wind uh, from Trieste and is a very strong and um, cold wind. Okay. Usually comes only in uh, the winter time, but it can uh, be 80 kilometers faster. Uh, per hour. Yeah, exactly. That's very exactly. fast. So it's really fast. And, uh, but this is so good for the area because uh, also in the summertime we can have wind and this is important to maintain the fresh the freshness of the wines and it's very good also because um we, we can have more rain and one time ago this can could be a problem but now with the climate change we are lucky because also on last summer uh we had rain in the right moments and, then, uh, okay. and this is very important now um, and then we are in the middle of the Friuli because we have um, the mountains one hour from us and the seaside 40 minutes. Italian Wine Podcast brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. From, from our village. Okay. And also this is important for the microclimate of, um, of our area. There's also a, a, a little river that runs yeah, through Pribalto as exactly. well. Is that a factor? Does that, does um, that influence the climate Not at all? so much because it's a very, very small, small river. Yeah, we, we call it Torrente because it's not always full of water. Oh, okay. And so um, it's so small so that it doesn't give more humidity. Okay. And another very good thing in our area is that you, during the, the summertime we had uh, a different of temperature during the day and the night and this is so good because we had also 15 degrees of difference between okay. the day and night that's a lot yeah that's and this big. is very good for the red grapes so how is it now because you're talking about you make uh, primarily red wines yeah so what are the wines that you do make yeah, and what are the grapes that you grow yeah so um, on our Five actors. <laughs> we grow uh, six different grapes. Um, so only two white grapes, um, and these are Tokai Frulano and Ribolla Gialla that we're using together to make Sacrisassi Bianco. Okay. Uh, then we have Schioppettino Rufosco, and also these two lo red local grapes are using together to make Sacrisassi Rosso wine. Okay. And then we have Pinot Nero and Merlot. So these are our grapes. 
Okay, so you make two blended wines. Exactly. And then you make two monovarietal red wines. Exactly. Do you make a monovarietal Schimatino or a monovarietal yeah. Fosco? Yeah, in the last years, um, we start making also um, Schimatino in pure. Okay. Uh, I said in the last years because um, from 2002 until 2017, uh, my father made only five vintages of this wine. Uh, because usually we um, stole some grapes uh, to the for, for Sacrisasi also, and we made just three or five barrels of this wine. Okay. So very, very small production, more or less 1,000 bottles. And, but now, <laughs> with my, um, yeah, for my choice, <laughs> we are going to make Schiopettino over here. So from 2017, oh, wow. uh, there are five vintages in, in our cellar. So this, is, this was your decision? Yeah. And why did you decide to sort of part ways with the uh, tradition in the family? Yeah, because my parents decided to make, um, as I said before, not too many wines in five hectares. And they decided to dedicate um, more attention to the blends of local grapes. So usually they use Schiopettino only with the Refosco for the Sacrisassi. But uh, when my father started to mis make this um, Proofs, yeah. Uh, the, yeah the trials. Yeah, trials. the trials. Yeah, okay. thank you. Um, we say we, we, we see that the people like it, and we also like it so much because it's an um, expression of uh, Scupettino as my father um, drank it from his grandfather. So, uh -huh. a whole way to think about Scupettino. So, not very powerful grape, uh, not very powerful wine. Um, and with a long aging in barrels. And so, yeah, before my parents don't uh, believe so much about uh, making Scupettino pure, but I, I really like this grape and I think uh, if we made just 1,000 bottles per year, it would be no problem uh, for Sacrisasiro, so that is our uh, most important wine and the wine of our herd. But also make a few bottles of Scupettino. It could be interesting for us and for the people who want to know better uh, our region and our area. So your two most important wines are blended wines. Yeah, exactly. So do you think that this is something important for Friuli in general, that we should be concentrating more on blended wines? Because the trend is very much toward modern varietals. Yeah. yeah. But your focus is on blends. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you feel about blends. So I, I think this uh, decision, sorry, <laughs> this decision come from my uh, parents because um, they always look about the past of our uh, of our region. Because one time ago, uh, the wine was a blend because the, the, the okay. uh, our great fathers uh, plant a mix of grapes and they use it all together and they make only a wine. Uh, one white wine and uh, one red wine with everything inside. And so when my parents started uh, with their own uh, winery, they decided to dedicate more um, time about the, yeah, more important, more important, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sometimes I, I lose. 
excuse my English, uh, about the, the blended um, wines, also because Friuli is not a very, very well-known region uh, in the world. And talk about local grapes, it could be more difficult um, because I remember my first travel in US uh, more than 10 years ago. And when I said I come from Friuli, they people say, from where? <laughs> and I always need to say we are um, 100 kilometers from Venice in the north, from Venice. And they say, oh, okay, now I understand that. And so I think that um, the decision to make blended wines was to be more strong on the market with local grapes because when you exit with Sacrisacirosso, you sell Sacrisacirosso and not the local grapes. Okay. But in second uh, way, you sell local. You you can sell local grapes, and so is a um, uh, furbo. I don't know how you can say it. In, uh, it's the a smart way. It's a smart yeah, way. it's a smart way uh, to talk about local grapes okay. for the world market. Okay. And in the vineyard, you you work mostly in the vineyard, or do you work in the cellar? Or you do both. For sure, in the vineyard. In the vineyard. <laughs> yeah, but also because our wines are made more in the vineyards. Okay. Um, because um, we are organic, we are not okay. certificate, but my parents always um, believe in the organic agriculture. So always, they they started in 1984 with this type of. Uh, one wine growing um, and so when you grow um, organic grapes you have to spend more time in, in the vines and so this is the reason why I think we made the wine in the in the in, in wine, in the, in, in in the vineyards. vineyards. Yeah, yeah. sorry, I was uh, I forget <laughs> the right word. And we do as less as possible in the cellar. So only spontaneous fermentation, and after the the fermentation, we leave the wine for twenty two months, and now for more, also for trend for 13 months in the barrels. Okay. Uh, without touching it, so um, we just leave it in the. The you let it, let it do yeah. its own work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you work solely with with wood? Is everything you make? Yeah. Yeah. So everything you make is yeah. it, is it exactly. Wood but uh, old wood. Barrels. Old wood. Yeah. Okay. And this is barriques. Big uh, yeah, we use barrique for the red grapes mm -hmm. and uh, yeah for the red wines. Sorry, and tonneau for the white wines. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are there any particular challenges to making wine organically in Prepolto? So everything changed now because I say uh, before the climate change is true and we every year see more the, the effects of this changing. And so when my parents started, it was more difficult, especially for Pinot Noir, because it's an area where it was an area where um, rain so much and Pinot Noir is very delicate about okay. the water. And so it was more difficult until, yeah, 10 years ago. Uh, and now everything changed and um, yeah, I think it's more easy for us to, to, to manage the, the, organic. Yeah, yeah. the organic vineyards. And of course, um, the, the less it rains, uh, the less you have to go in the vineyards with sprays, with sulfur and copper, because okay. uh, these are the only two things we use in the in the vineyards against the uh, the moldy. 
uh, we had. Um, yeah, we, we spend so much time during all the year in the vineyards because um, when you do, uh, when you make wine in a natural way, um, you have to pick up perfect grapes. Okay. And the only way to do it in an organic way is to spend more time in the vineyards. So would you consider yourselves a, a natural winemaker? Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. but okay. from 1984, from when so the when natural, natural wine doesn't exist. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you mentioned the, the Pinot Noir and, yeah. and how delicate it is. What possessed your parents to plant Pinot Noir in Friuli? Why? Yeah, Why? yeah maybe because... Were you I, the first? Yeah. Uh, one of the first, yeah. I think for the first to have one hectare of Pinot Noir. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Instead of just like the uh, plants. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I think they were crazy uh, because it's a very big challenge to grow Pinot Noir outside from France. And as I said, Friuli is a very uh, rainy region. Uh, region. Um, and it was a challenge because they my parents chose to grow uh, three French clones. And these means you have a very small grape, very compact, and with more rain, every year we have um, botrytis. And so every year from when I was a child, I heard my father say, this is going to be the last year of Pinot Noir. And the next year I will, I will take, take it all out. Yeah, exactly. But, now the vines are 30, like me, okay. <laughs> for each year. And we still continue to grow this grape because um, we love it, firstly. And this is the reason why my parents uh, decided to, to plant it. And then the people like it. And every time we, we talk about uh, Pinot Noir with our customers and with the people who drink our wines, and sometimes on the blind tastings, is that you cannot imagine that mm, this Pinot Noir could be made it in Friuli. And this for us is a very good thing because when you uh, made a Pinot Noir that it could be um, confused with a Pinot Noir from French. It's a big deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so was, it, was your... So was your dad's decision to plant Pinot Noir? Yeah, yeah. of course. Was he my, big, with your mom? Too, other, course, yeah, because they, keep, they they do things too. Yeah, them. exactly. Good. Exactly. That's nice. But it, was he a big Burgundy fan? Was it that was that his um, was it his dream to like make Burgundy in Friuli? Yeah, he dreamed about that, but he always loved the the, the plant because he my father my father. Uh, found a few rows of Pinot Noir in the first uh, winery he worked. Oh, okay. uh, so, um, as I said before, they don't work for, for, they know, for, for their own, but for the other okay. uh, producers. And when he met this grape, this, this plant, he said, wow, it's amazing. I want to, one day I want to do a Pinot Noir. And so, what, did he did he travel to France to get uh, grape uh, varieties? Or? No, because one time ago there was a very small but important fair uh, in Gorizia okay. for the sales uh, for the wine growers for the not wine growers but for the I said in Italian per i produttori di barbatelle. So yeah, the nurseries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. People who produce baby vines. Yeah. And in this fair, uh, every year came also our French producers of um, 
yeah, of the small blinds. Okay. And my parents met him and they started talking about Pinot Noir. And he said, okay, to, to, tomorrow the fair will be over and I will come to your winery to see mm. how is your soil, how is the plant, uh, plant Pinot Noir, and we can decide which type of clones are better. Best for your area, and so this old man came uh, visit our uh, hill, and they talked together with my parents, and he said there are three clones good for your uh, for your soil for your area. Um, if you want, I can send you the the plants, and you can try. And, so, and they're still there. Yeah. And they're still yeah. there. That's right. So he did a good job. Yeah, a very good job. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's one wine that we didn't talk about much, which was is the Merlot. Yeah. So is is that you know was that also sort of similar because Merlot is is more easy to find in for you. Yeah, yeah. So was that always an idea to do that, or was that another thing that came through this French connection? Yeah. No. Uh, this is another funny story because uh, Merlot is uh, on a rent. Um, rented vineyard. Yeah, rented vineyard. Um, but when my father and when my parents take him rent this uh, land, there was no vineyard on it. Uh, they take only the the soil, okay. and the owner of the soil say to my parents, "You have to decide uh, which. We have to decide together which wine, uh, which vine you can plant it." And he said, "For me, um, you can plant it Merlot or Cabernet." Cabernet Franc, because my the, the first idea of my parents was to plant Schiopettino, but okay. in the 90s, Schiopettino was not very good um, grape to grow because nobody wants to, to have it. Okay. Uh, and so my parents were uh, in front of a decision and they said, okay, Merlot, I think we, we think is better for our idea of wine growing. Uh, because yeah, it's an easy uh, plant to manage, but um, it could be also good for elegant wines. And so yeah, of course they look uh, also to French, but um, Merlot is more than 40 years ago here in, uh, in Friuli mm -hmm. uh, for the first time. And so we have our um, own clones from okay. Friuli. And, and so this is the reason why we produce a few bottles of Merlot. Okay, so you make five wines. Yeah. The Schiobettino, the Pinot Noir, and the Merlot. Exactly. Which one is your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> so it's difficult because every, every wine is like a song for me. Okay. Yeah, but as I said before, I think Sacrisasi um, Rosso is our heart wine because okay. it represents um, in the best way our area and our region and especially Prefotto. And you said that's Schiobettino and Rifolsco. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what 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 happens when you put those two grapes together? Uh, so it's like a marriage <laughs> uh, because uh, um, there is a female part that comes from uh, Schiopettino uh, okay. because it's more delicate. Uh, they the, the Schiopettino have a soft tannins, uh, but amazing uh, flavors like pepper and is very spicy and also have uh, very interesting um, red uh, red fruits notes mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, but not so much fructor. And the Refosco is very good for this chapter because, yeah, the name is King of the Darkness in English. <laughs> I always say that because uh, when you drink Refosco, it's a very um, full of color wine, uh, full of tannins, full of body, but without um, flavors. Okay. And so they balance it perfectly. And so the Refosco is the male part and Scipettino the female part. Uh, I think they match them well, and then we, we change a little bit the mix, the, the blend, because we started with 60% of Scopettino and 40% of Refosco, then we lose a rent, okay. uh, and this, it could be happen uh, in, a, in the life of wine brewer. Of <laughs> and so we, we get um, from 2001 to 50-50. But in the last years, we are going to get another time to do 60% of Scupettino and 40% of Refosco. Uh, because 40% of Refosco, we think, is enough to have the body. Uh, that is one, that is the things we, we research because we want to make um, wines with a long life. And I think this was one of the first um, ideas of my parents to make red wines with a long life. And it was quite strange because, yeah, as I said before, um, one, yeah, more than 20, 30 years ago, the people uh, made just white wines right. or red wines to be drinking after one, right. one year. And so. See, I know, I, I know that it, your mom gave me a bottle of Sacrosassi Bianco a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And I think we drank it together. Did we not? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we promised one here, so yeah, more than one year ago yeah. to drink it together. So we are going to, I hope we can drink it together. I so we are so waiting too. for you in our <laughs> <Okay>. winery. <laughs> Sounds good. So you, so you not only have the role of working in the vineyards, yeah. which you love, yeah. and working in the cellar, which you love, but you also help your mom out with sort of the marketing side. Yeah. So you've done some traveling. Yeah. you enjoy that side of the business as well? Um, yeah, when I was a teenager, it was really fun because my mother took me first for the first time in, uh, in New York when I was uh, 15 or 17. So mm -hmm. it was crazy because I, it was not allowed for the people under 21 to serve or drink wine, but, <laughs> but I did it. That. Yeah, but I did it because uh, my English is better than my mother English and so she said okay you come with me and we go around the world to to sell our wines uh, so firstly yeah we, we travel in Europe um, okay. in England I think yeah it was my first uh, travel for the wine business and then in, in USA for several times yeah and yeah when I was a teenager it was fun because yeah you see uh, many places, uh, new cities, new countries. Uh, but then when I grew up, I said, okay, it's good to travel, but it's also important to stay in the vineyards to, to make the wine directly. And so now I spend more time in the vineyards, but I also have to travel, of course, not so much, um, because we every year choose one market uh, where we want to focus on, and so one or two travels per year, oh, okay. and on more. Also because I think 
um, is important to dedicate time to the to our uh, markets outside from Italy, but it's also uh, ethical. Uh, choose just one because if I make organic wines, I cannot take. 20 planes, 20 flights uh, every year yeah. because I will throw away anything I do in my, in my business, yeah, in my vineyards. And so we do in that way. And the people who works with us understand this, uh, this idea of more ethical to, to sell the wines. Of course. Yeah. It's, I, you know, and what's your total production of bottles? Uh, very small. Yes. Yeah, in, in the best vintages is a production of 18,000 bottles. So it's, it's difficult to like globe trot. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're selling them for a thousand dollars, which I don't think you're doing. No, no, not yet. <laughs> okay. So is, is there anything in particular, any place in particular that you really loved to travel to? Or how about any market for you, which is really, really important that you love to visit? So uh, I never visit Japan, but I really love how they work with our wines also because I think it's our older market because we worked with them more than 20, for more than 27 years. So. So you've been working with Japan for 27 years. Yeah, exactly. Never Always had... with the same importer. Um, so, yeah. Have I they ever come to you? Yeah, uh, we are going to meet them on the next Sunday. Okay. So every year, uh, except during the COVID, they come to visit us every year to taste together the wines, to talk about uh, our winery, our okay. life. And so, yeah. And the, the amazing thing is that uh, now there is the song of the, of the owner. Uh -huh. And so the generation still going so on with the parents family. are passing down to you, exactly. and, and they're passing down to this. Exactly, wow. exactly. So I think uh, the Japan market is amazing for that. But uh, I love spend my my time also in US because I really love music. <laughs> when I have free time, okay, I take my mother to all the record stores. <laughs> okay. I can do it, and so, and we also visit uh, very nice uh, jazz clubs because we love jazz music. And in US, there is so much to to see and to and to do for the music. Right. When if I had to choose the thing that I miss the most about New York City, it's yeah. it's music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It just occurred to me, you, you're also a bass player. Oh, yeah, I was a, play, a bass player. Yeah, 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 I still have it. And sometimes I, I play see. just by my own. But okay. yeah, I yeah, I think that after wine, there is music. Or, for, or maybe they are in the same uh, way important for me and for the life of my family. Have any horror stories from traveling? Any really bad experiences from? No, no, no funny, funny experience, but no, not nothing bad. No, nothing bad. Can no. you describe something funny that happened to you uh, while traveling? Yeah, I, I think this is the most funny and tragic thing <laughs> happened uh -huh. to me. Uh, I, we were in New York, um, and uh, we had a free morning. And we decided to get to get a taxi to go. I don't remember if we went to a museum or something like that. And my mother had a bag with uh, with her. And oh. inside there was anything: our passports, our flight, um, Your tickets. Or, yeah, our tickets. Oh, no. 
And yeah, we were very, how do you say, principianti. Beginners. <laughs> beginners, <laughs> travel beginners. And my mom took everything with us and she forgot, she forgot this bag on a taxi in, yeah, in Manhattan. And so when we realized that we start crying because we said, no, it's not possible. And the funny thing is that after us, uh, this cab was taken by an um, Italian woman. Oh. And she was uh, in this private investigation. Yeah, so she found yeah, private detective, thank you. <laughs> and she found this bag and she looks inside it and found a phone number of our importer and she called she called it and so we found our bag. You're so lucky. Yeah, so, so lucky. much lucky. And I think this is the most strange, funny, and terrible thing uh, <laughs> happened to us. I think that's a very the, normal yeah. occurrence. Yeah, I think one, one time in the life. <laughs> so what about some um, some of your experiences with wine? Have you ever, Tim, tell me about like a wine that was really memorable for you. Not your own. You have to give me an experience with wine that you've had that was uh, really memorable for you. This is a difficult um, question because there are so much uh, memories about that. Uh, but one is um, uh, about uh, my experience uh, outside of my winery. Uh, because when I was 18, I, 19, yeah, I made a um, harvest in uh, another winery in Tuscany, uh, oh. in Isole Olena. Okay. And for me, it was amazing because I had the occasion to try uh, how wine making is in a different winery. And, and I have also the occasion to meet amazing people because the family, the, the Marquis family is amazing. And we um, spend more nights together to drink wines from the 70s, right. <laughs> from Isorolena. Wow. And I was so lucky for that. And this is one of my... Um, memories. memories, yeah, <laughs> one of my best memories, and then there are so much uh, because my parents are uh, very best friends of uh, one of the most amazing uh, restaurants in Italy that is called the Caino. They have uh, two yeah. Michelin stars in uh, always in Tuscany, mm -hmm. and I think I have the occasion to drink amazing wines in their um, restaurants because they have a cellar of more than. Uh, 20,000 labels. Wow. Yeah. And so I have the occasion to drink, to drink the best French wines and also the best Italian wines with them. And so, yeah, it was amazing. So what's in the future for Le Due Terre with Cora Basilicata <laughs> at the lead, at the helm? What's, uh, what's, what is anything you mean? dreams that you'd like to realize or something you'd like to change what's what's what what do you have in store so, for your family's winery so i'm going to say in italian and wayne will translate it for me because i cannot uh yeah i, I think i cannot say it in english um quindi mi sento una custode della, del lavoro fatto dell'azienda fatta dai miei genitori in una rivoluzionaria e quindi quello che voglio fare è mantenere il loro lavoro 
e svilupparlo al meglio delle mie possibilità. So you don't want to revolutionize. Yeah. You feel like you are a custodian of your parents' work. Esatto. So you don't want to change anything, you just want to carry it forward. Esatto. Okay. This is what I want to do in the future of my business and of my winery. Okay. And so, apart from revolutionizing the winery or changing mm -hmm. something, do you have a little sogno nel cassetto? Do you have something, a little dream you would like to realize? Uh, yes and no, but yes. Uh, if I have the occasion, I want to buy one hectare more and leave the rents. Because when you okay. have rents, you are always in the hands of another of other people. And this is not always good because you feel always not so comfortable. And so if I have a dream is to buy one hectare of, uh, of vine and also of soil and okay. to plant my own vines and to leave the brands. So okay. always maintain the five or four actors. Uh, so I, I don't want to grow um, don't more. To, don't want to get bigger? No, no, no. no. So I want to uh, be small, uh, but with more quality of my wines. Okay. So, and, and no ideas making new wines or no, no, creating because, something new. No, the uh, Schipettino is my wine. Yeah, that's right. And so, yeah, I want to, yeah, exactly. And so I want to uh, make it better and better. And you also designed the label. Yeah, exactly. For the <laughs> Yeah, when I was six. <laughs> no. Yeah. You yeah. drew the label when you were six years old. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And was that the same? Time that it was planted? No. Oh no no it was no, planted no, no, before. no! It was planted before, but I made this draw because my parents won the prize of uh, of okay. and this is the reason why there are these three glasses with the three uh, senses that are using for taste and enjoying wine. And when my parents um, get back from Rome. I give them, I give them this uh, trove and my father uh, five years later want to give me uh, this um, honor to have a label made by me okay. on a wine. So wow! And so it was his decision to put your drawing yeah. on the wine. Yeah, wow. was it a surprise? Yeah, so much no. surprise <laughs> for me because it was a child. I was only nine. Okay, uh, but it was very. Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Sure. Yeah. And, and we still maintain this uh, this say, label only for Scopettino. Oh, okay. Yeah. So where can we see your six-year-old's artwork? <laughs> <laughs> is there? Is it on the website? Is, if someone goes to your website, can um, you see all the labels? No, we because we don't have website. We are quite a strange wine. Uh, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> winery because we don't have a website but we have instagram or facebook okay and i think you could find it also yeah very easier because it's called leguetarre wine okay. and on this page you can find all our labels and our on your instagram uh, or on your facebook uh in both but leguetarre wine is the name of instagram page okay. yeah and so the same thing. So you just have to yeah, exactly. something. Ah, okay. So I was gonna I was going to point people towards your website, but Facebook and Instagram are just yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. But um I think I'm going to do the website this year. Is it you're gonna do a website this yeah, year? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Okay. We need very simple one, but I think we need. Yeah, it's it's a it's, it's, time. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a repository of information. Yeah, exactly. People need to download tech sheets or whatever. Exactly. Do that yeah. Do you get a lot of visitors at the winery? You get a lot of people coming to visit. Uh, you? yes and no because uh, we are just in free, and so we work by our our own the winery, and so it's difficult for us to leave. The, the world so you're the literally people, just so. the three of you, you, your mom, and your dad. That's exactly. It. Yeah. Wow. That's it. Yeah. So there is so much work. Okay. Um, but yeah, we uh, every year the the, the, the visits from our um, sellers okay. of the world. So your distributors. And, uh, yeah, from our distributors, and sometimes also from people that uh, love our wines uh, from the uh, from Italy, but also from the other countries. So your, the amount of wine that you sell out of the cellar door is quite low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mostly we sell wines uh, to restaurants in okay. all over the world. Yeah. Okay. Do you you also have a good market here at home for you? Uh, yeah, very good market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I think we sell the fifty percent of our production in Italy and the fifty percent in all the. All the world, from as I said before, Japan, Europe, US, and also Australia. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Friuli is our is one of our most important markets. All about eighteen thousand bottles. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're getting towards the end of our time here, Mike. I don't know if if we have any other questions coming in. Maybe um, somebody wants to go, or maybe you have a question for Cora. Uh, well, okay, first, there's no, there are no questions from the audience here in the chat, but then, okay. guys, if you have any questions, you can raise your hand, um, send us a wave, and we'll put you up on stage. All right, Andrea has a question. All right. All right Hi, Andre. Hello, Andre. Hello. Okay, could you unmute um, yourself so I can hear you? Yeah, Andre, uh, unmute our Italian wine ambassador. Ah, where is Andre from? Uh, he's from, I'm not sure if you're, you're are you still in Latvia, Andre? Andre, I, okay, I can't, I can't unmute him as well, technically. Andre, um, could you unmute him? Oh, Hi. Hey. <laughs> Hello. Yes, I forgot to push the button. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Do you have any question for Coral? So, so yeah, I'm Andre. I'm from Riga, Latvia. I'm Italian wine ambassador. And um, uh, my question: You mentioned about uh, global warming, uh, and uh, you mentioned in Noir that it's much easier. But speaking about stupid. Scipitino, which is uh, relatively late uh, ripening and late harvesting variety, and uh, especially you are from the north of Italy, so it's, let's say, cool climate. So the question is, uh, is it uh, more potential for making a good um, 100% Scipitino for future science because of... Uh, global warming let's say okay so uh, as i said before yes stupidino is typical i think only for friuli yeah and especially from from Prepotto. 
And one time ago, the people don't want to grow this grape anymore because it was difficult to, to reach the good ripening because, as you say, it is a late uh, ripening grape. Um, yeah, this change, this climate change, it could be good for the late um, ripening grapes because they can ripen, ripen before, uh, of course. I, I don't. I, I am not a promoter of this <laughs> disaster, <laughs> but uh, when you have to fight uh, with this problem, you have to take the the, um, the occasions. And so um, I think we are going to grow Schiopettino as as is possible uh, because we love this grape, but we also love the Fusco. And so I think we are going to make always the blend uh, together because. Um, Refosco is an important part of our uh, Sacrisasi Rosso, and I think it, it could be not um, the, the same wine without this part. And so, for sure, we are going to do um, all the two, the, the two wines, Schiopettino uh, Pure and Sacrisasi Rosso. And I think Schiopettino it will be um, very interesting for, for the future because it will be more easy to, to reach the good ripening and to reach the, the, the best way to do this wine. Is that uh, clear yeah. for you, Andre? Yeah, you have to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying since this is the only question that I always think about, uh, because many of producers, let's say, last decade use a cemento method, and this is really understandable if you don't have a possibility to get a really great ripeness, you use this cemento method, of course. But now, without this method, you can produce a really good wine. And this is a, let's say, yeah, a good think, future for this. I think it's, you know, now we're, we're in a period where a lot of these places, Propolto maybe was one of them, that were kind of marginal. Yeah. Um, have become much more viable and much less difficult yeah. for certain grape varieties yeah. because it's been warmer. Yeah. All right. So we, act we are actually running out of time. Um, so I wanted to end this interview right, um, right now. And so thank you so much, Wayne and Cora. That was a great conversation and I really enjoyed listening to it. So yeah, um, for the just a reminder that this interview, this live interview is recorded and we're going to put it up on Thursday slot. So possibly I think around April 6th. So, but then don't worry. Um, I mean, we don't have so much people in the audience, but um, our Clubhouse Ambassadors Corner has been the most listened show on Italian Wine Podcast. So thanks for your support. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Laika. Thank you, Cora. Thank you to everybody. <laughs> it was a pleasure to be here, to have the occasion to talk um, with you, um, with the um, wine ambassadors. And so thank you again to invite me. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you. Ciao. Grazie. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.